Hi, I'm Lee Neese, and this is Pixels, a Harbor City Photography Club podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This podcast is a series of discussions focusing on basic concepts in photography. It's aimed at our club members and newer photographers. Most of the time, we'll dip a toe in the shallow end to give some perspective on a given topic. Sometimes, we'll showcase a club member or a guest, and occasionally, we'll offer a review. I hope it will always be interesting and informative for you, the listener. Hello, Pixel listeners. In this month's episode, I interview longtime club member Judy Hancock-Holland. She has some fascinating things to say about her photographic journey, her YouTube channel, coaching, teaching, and tips for beginning photographers. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Judy. Thanks for being on the show. And perhaps we could start with how long you've been uh, with the club, roughly, um, and maybe a little bit about your journey into photography. Well, I, I'm not really sure how long I've been with the club. I think I joined about eight or nine years ago. Um, my, my journey into photography started really when I started university. I lived in the student residence and I fell in with a group of guys who were really into photography and darkroom work. And um, I'd had a camera since I was nine and I loved it, but I'd never really done anything very serious with it. And I was a financially strapped student. But these guys took me under their wing and they helped me find a good used SLR and they taught me how to load and develop my own bulk black and white film and make my own prints. And that cut down on the cost a lot, especially since the darkroom equipment and the chemicals were all provided. In fact, they were so helpful that I married one of them. <laughs> and, and the marriage didn't last, but the friendship did and the love of photography did. And it kind of fell away for a while when I got into my late uh, 20s because career and family sort of took over. And uh, I did the photography for the university department where I worked, but there was no time to do any personal projects or really much learning in the area. And then uh, I took early retirement and I picked up a new camera about 10 years ago and jumped back in. And I've been spending probably 30 to 40 hours a week on various aspects of photography ever since then. Not having had the benefit of having very, very much experience in the film photography world, um, what do you think you brought with you when you picked up that camera again from those early days? I think the most important thing I brought with me really was the inspiration of seeing work by people who were better than I was. So a lot of these guys had been at it for a while. They had pretty fancy equipment, some of them. Um, I remember seeing a high key photograph for the first time that one of the fellows had taken. And I just thought it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. So I would say the inspiration of what was possible was what stuck with me most from those years. And I did love the film world. I did love the developing and stuff. It was kind of magical. Uh, but, you know, I've learned the digital darkroom now, and I, I love that just as much. That's interesting because, as you mentioned, high key, I can see that inspiration in some of the work that you've shown at the club and some of the things that I've seen that definitely has has followed you. Absolutely. In fact, just last night I did a workshop for a camera club on high key and low key photography. Hmm. So um, tell us a little bit about the roles that you've had in the club over the time that you've been there. Well, um, over the years, I have done quite a lot of presentations for the club on various kinds of topics. Um, 
right now I'm continuing to lead a critiquing special interest group or SIG that, that I started probably five or six years ago and it's still going strong. I also uh, am doing a basics of photography class right now for the club and I've I did a black and white photography SIG last year for the club that just finished up just before Christmas. Um, I did the newsletter layout for three years until just recently. And uh, I served as SIG chair for a while, but I realized quite quickly that that position really wasn't needed. And I'd rather be teaching and mentoring and encouraging other photographers. So those are the kinds of roles that I really prefer to do within the club. Well, and considering that you're doing work, which I'm sure we'll get to a little bit later outside of the club, um, that's enough just as it is to keep you busy. So I'm sure I'm sure that you're you're keeping pretty busy. For many people, you know, the pandemic is not uh, an ideal thing, of course, but but it's offered opportunities um, for for many people, and particularly for people who offer workshops, maybe wouldn't be able to go to certain places because of the expense or whatever. So, can you tell us a little bit about what opportunities have presented themselves? for you during the pandemic? Yeah, this has been really huge for me, Lee. Um, It's given me a lot of extra time, as I think it has for most of us. And in that extra time, I've I've entered a number of international competitions and done quite well in those. Uh, My work's been exhibited in both North America and Europe within the last two years. So that's pretty exciting. And then when the lockdown started, I had several presentations booked for various island camera clubs And of course, the lockdown put an end to that. But Zoom came into its own and and I found myself doing presentations and podcasts all over the US and Canada, and even into the UK and New Zealand. Um, And I've also been approached, because people have come to know me through Zoom, uh, to do more private coaching and mentoring and portfolio reviews for Canadian and American photographers as well. So it has provided me with some huge opportunities. And that must be very exciting and rewarding for you, um, you know, coming from a, um, that, that teaching background that you seem to enjoy so much. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, when I was at the university, some of my work was used in 60 countries around the world. And I'm finding that same kind of fulfillment in being able to reach out with this kind of scope. How are you finding that, that people are able to find your work? Is that through your website, through your YouTube channel, or is it through other clubs that maybe recommend you to their fellow clubs? How have clubs found you uh, in order to take advantage of your expertise? Well, part of it has been by word of mouth. You know, clubs talk to each other and and I've had a lot of referrals that way. But also, uh, I'm surprised at how many people have approached me because they've seen some of my YouTube videos. And they've reached out to me from that. That's probably been the biggest driver. Yeah, so that's interesting because, I, and and I say that as a as a as an avid YouTube watcher, I'd never even thought of reaching out to to a creator to say, oh, hey, do you offer this or do you offer that? Do you offer some coaching? But that that's. Um, bringing to mind some ideas for me too. It's like, oh, if I enjoy somebody's work or I enjoy their approach, who knows whether or not, you know, they're, um, they're available to do that kind of work. So that's, that's exciting to hear because I hadn't even considered that. Well, you, you have nothing to lose by asking and it's always flattering to be asked. Yeah, so for sure. Why not? For sure. Now we've had a, a relationship outside of the, the the club because I've hired you um, as a private coach. And I'm wondering, since I've found 
value in some spending some time with you and getting some feedback. Can you share a little bit about if we have a club member who might be interested in doing some coaching with you, what they might expect and what kind of approach that you take to that private coaching relationship? Yeah, sure. Um, well, you're probably aware that the SIGs and the classes I run for the club, I do for free, of course. Uh, but I do enjoy hiring myself out to folks who, who want a little more encouragement, a little more personalized mentoring. Um, and right now, what that looks like is uh, a series of Zoom sessions focusing on whatever they want to learn. So sometimes it starts with a portfolio review. Other times there are certain specific things that, that a member or, or a non-member wants help with. Like, you know, it might be composition, it might be camera skills, it might be post-processing or particular kinds of post-processing. And the learner sets the agenda. They let me know what they want to learn. And if it's an area that I don't think I'm the best teacher for, like something like astrophotography, for example, or long exposure, then I would just say, you know, I don't think I'm the right person for this. But a lot of the times I am able to give them what they need. And, and it usually goes for three or four sessions. Okay. And I, I've been in a SIG with you last year, the critiquing SIG, which was very, I found very beneficial because it helped me pinpoint things that I might not be looking for, or certainly getting feedback from other photographers is helpful. But even just going through the process, um, and you were so helpful with the with the SIG in pointing out where should we look, like a great example until I was in that SIG, I hadn't thought of sort of going around the border of my photo looking for things that might be distracting, or I wasn't necessarily aware of, oh, there's that bright spot right there. And it was so helpful to be in a group with other photographers and somebody would say, you know, something that I hadn't even noticed or I didn't pick up and they say, wow, that bright spot really is distracting for me. So I would encourage any of our members who are listening certainly consider getting involved in a in a SIG or a critiquing group where you can support one another. But also private coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching has been super helpful for me just in, in pinpointing a certain thing that you might want to look at and then uh, focus on, you know, in your photography. I just want to interject there that in the past, um, when people have wanted to form a, a critiquing group, um, they've sometimes had the leader of that group come and sit in on one of my critique groups sessions just to see how we operate and get a feeling for how they might like to run their SIG. And I'm certainly open to that in the future. Uh, my SIG is full and pretty much always is. But if other people want to start a SIG, I'm happy to help them get it going. That's a great idea. And again, a, a great point to, to, uh, to our, our own club listeners if they want to get involved in a SIG or to lead a SIG, because it's important, I think, to point out too, for our club, the leader of a SIG doesn't have to be an expert. Um, it, they're just a facilitator of conversation and learning for the group. So one of the things, uh, one of the other things I wanted to touch on with you was I know being involved in your SIG last year that uh, minimalism is something that you're very passionate about. And I'm wondering if you can tell the listeners a little bit about minimalism for you, what it means to you and how you became involved, why, why you're so passionate about it, what draws you to it. I think I've always had a leaning towards minimalism, even before I knew what minimalism was. And I, I'm someone who is conversant with emotion, and I think that minimalism can really evoke emotion. So that appeals to me. What minimalism really is, it, it, it means basically distilling a subject down to its essence. And so you determine very 
very specifically what's pulled you in and made you want to make an image. And then you shoot that and eliminate everything else from the frame. So for example, if you've fallen in love with the way uh, the light is hitting a particular subject, maybe a flower, um, then you zero in on that and you leave everything else out of the frame. You don't shoot the background. You don't shoot maybe even the whole flower. You shoot the spot that grabbed you and pulled you in. And that's what you show. It's, it's a very compelling way to, to shoot once you get into it. And it seems to actually appeal to a lot of folks, judging from the photographers I've presented to in, in many clubs and, and the comments that I've had on my YouTube channel. Mm. People respond to it. They like it. It's interesting to me. I equate minimalism visually with poetry um, because, again, distilling something down to its essence, there's there's nothing necessarily extraneous. You, you've got everything. It's a compact way to look at a subject or an idea. And and it's interesting to me because I, I do agree with you that I think minimalism is quite popular in the visual medium, particularly in photography, whereas poetry, you couldn't say, you know, the same thing. But it, but it's a similar concept to me, I think, just, just with a different medium. Yeah, I agree very much. In fact, um, I, I try to aim for minimalist images that are almost like haiku. They're so spare. We mentioned a little bit earlier, but it's probably a good time to, to bring back into the conversation that you do have a YouTube channel and you've mentioned that you've received some work from people reaching out. Can you tell, can you tell club members and listeners what the name of your channel is and what they could expect to find there? Well, I don't actually have a name for my channel. Um, if you go to YouTube and just search for Judy Hancock Holland, it will come up. It, it started as a lark for me, really. I, I had a number of presentations for local um, Gulf Islands and Vancouver Island clubs scheduled when the lockdown started. And of course, those had to be canceled. Um, and I just decided on a whim to put that uh, tutorial on minimalism up on YouTube, not really expecting it would get any attention at all, because I don't know anything about marketing for YouTube or SEOs and all that stuff. I just don't understand that and have no interest in it. But I was astounded at the response it got. So I put up a few more tutorials. And now I have almost 195,000 views on my channel and over 800 comments. Wow. And so far, so far, uh, I've posted tutorials on minimalism, uh, a couple on composition, one on uh, Lightroom file management, and another one on the basics of using Flash. Just I call it Flash for the scared stiff. It's meant for people who who kind of interested but kind of intimidated. So, uh, yeah, I, I just try to put things out there that maybe aren't covered in a lot of detail or or very well on YouTube. And you know, there's so much on YouTube already. Somebody asked me to put something up about post processing, and I thought, you know. That's been done to death. Um, I'll do it for my club members. I'll do it for uh, clients, but I'm not going to do a YouTube on that. There's too much out there already on that. Yeah, it's a fair comment. And I, and just, I mean, I obviously don't speak on behalf of all YouTube viewers, but I know I appreciate it when people share their knowledge. If people haven't checked out um, any of your videos or anything on your YouTube channel, it's worth checking out because that teacher in you comes out, things are clear, they're explained. Uh, they're easy to follow. What do you think or what what advice do you have for less experienced photographers that might th help them on their own journey uh, to becoming better photographers? Well, I, I have a few things to suggest. First, I, I want to echo and, and credit one of my teachers, uh, Freeman Patterson. 
and say that you need to follow your heart and shoot for yourself, not for anybody else. Don't shoot for likes on Facebook. Don't shoot because uh, somebody else is doing something and it looks cool. Shoot what what your heart calls you to shoot. And and the other best advice I think I have is is to invest in photographic education. You know, studies have shown that the best way to improve your photography is not to buy new gear as much as we all enjoy doing that, but to take classes and workshops and, and even have a, a photo coach, which I've, I've done. I've done a lot of those, those things. And right now with so many classes on Zoom, we have access to the best teachers from all over the world. And as you say, YouTube, of course, as well. Um, sometimes you've got to wade through a lot of not so good stuff on YouTube to get to the good stuff. But uh, there are, you know, Zoom classes offered by camera clubs all over the world that we have the ability to tap into. And, you know, if you can get some critique on your work from someone who's really knowledgeable about photography and who genuinely wants to help you improve, then that's even better. We've talked a lot about your love of teaching and and that, and I'd like to touch on, um, or maybe you could just let us know how your approach to teaching might be different than what photographers have experienced before. Yeah, I I think there are a number of differences in the way that I approach it. As you've said, my background is education. I'm a lifelong educator. And I know that when people are learning new skills, it's really important to build in some opportunities for success. And that's what keeps us motivated to keep learning. And a lot of people are kind of intimidated by all the technical stuff and the, the cameras these days are so complicated. So I teach photography <clears throat> sort of backwards from many teachers. I start with composition rather than any of the technical aspects. And I work on helping people develop their visual skills. So I have my students start off on the auto setting. I want them to be able to forget about the camera and concentrate on making visually interesting photographs. Um, that way they can start making pretty good images right off the bat. And that's going to keep them excited to learn more. And then when they, when they come to a point where they say, Oh, but how do you get that blurred background? Well, then we can address the technical stuff that is pertinent to what they actually want to accomplish. So another difference I think is a lot of teachers encourage photographers to shoot every day. We see the 365 challenges and, and things like that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I take a little different approach because I think it's much more important to really practice seeing and noticing and, and observing every day. And you can do that without a camera pretty much anywhere. Just notice things. Uh, I think the best photographers show us things we probably have seen before, but they show them to us in new ways that make us think and feel. So I encourage uh, beginning photographers to, to focus on being open and receptive and to shoot what speaks to their heart and, and let their feelings be part of that. Uh, I belong to a small group of fine art photographers based in California. And every week we have a renowned photographer or gallery curator or people like that speak to us. And one of the questions we ask every speaker is, how do you evaluate a photographer's work? And every single one of them says the emotional impact of the work is number one. It's so important to put your heart and soul into your work. Don't try to copy anybody else. Just shoot what speaks to you in your way. And don't be afraid to fail. That's how we get to success. I have lots of failures under my belt. Yes, as we all do. And I and I really appreciate uh, what you're saying there, because certainly part of my journey has been mired in the technical. Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of 
beginners um, get the message one way or another that uh, the goal should be to shoot on manual and you can't really be a real photographer unless you shoot on manual. And I know how to shoot on manual and I shoot on manual when I'm using flash, but I would say 95% of the time for the kind of work that I do, I'm on aperture priority because aperture is what matters to me and I want control over that and I want the rest of it to get out of my way and let me convert my vision into an actual image. Yeah, and again, I, that's certainly the message that I took away was you got to learn how to how to control your camera manually before anything else, and that's kind of like the be all and end all of of being a proper photographer. Club this year has offered a basics of photography class, which I'm teaching, and I really encourage uh, newcomers, even if they do have some experience, to take advantage of that if it comes up again, and I expect it will. Um, we start with composition. I tell them, I don't care if you've been shooting on manual. I want you to set your camera on auto now and go and focus on learning. We do a couple of sessions on that and some critique. And then we do, um, the, then we get into the camera basics and how to use your camera and they can take or leave that as much as they want. And then post-processing. And I am a big believer in shooting raw, but for beginners, you know, most cameras you can shoot raw plus JPEG. And that's a great way to go because you may not know how to process raw files now, but if you get a fantastic shot, two years from now when you're a master post-processor, you're going to be glad you have that raw file. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. Is there anything else that you'd like people to know about you or your work uh, before we wrap up for today? I, I, don't, I don't think so other than um, to invite people to have a look at my website, which is jhhphoto.com. And maybe uh, look for me on YouTube. Just enter uh, Judy Hancock Holland in the YouTube search bar and, and see if there's anything there that appeals to you. I have uh, a few slideshows up there, but mostly just tutorials. That's great. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Judy. I know you're a busy lady. Well, thanks for having me, Lee. It's been a pleasure, as always. You've been listening to Pixels, a podcast brought to you by the Harbor City Photography Club, located in beautiful Nanaimo, British Columbia. The show is researched, written, produced, edited, and hosted by Lee Nice. This has been a Neesley Dunn podcast production.